Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, as an aquarist who derives a lot of pleasure from seeing my fishes live off the land and consume the foods, you know, directly from the aquarium environment in which they reside, I find some of the underlying feeding strategies fascinating. One of the best examples is the consumption of wood by various species of fishes. We read a lot of about fishes that actually eat wood or wood-like materials. Of course, the ones that immediately come to mind are the Loricaridae, specifically Panax species and other catfishes. Now, admittedly, I'm the last guy who should be authoritatively discussing the care of catfishes, but I do understand a little bit about their diets and the whole idea of utilizing wood and botanical materials in the aquarium for the purpose of supplementing the diets of fishes. So, of course, I'm fascinated by the world of biofilms, decomposition, microorganism growth, and detritus, and all this stuff sort of plays right into that. Now, the idea of xylophagy, which is the consumption and digestion of wood, is of course a pretty cool and interesting adaptation to the environment from where these fishes come from. And as you suspect, the way that wood is consumed and digested is equally cool and fascinating. It's thought that the scraping teeth and the highly angled jaws of the Loricaridae are a perfect adaptation to this feeding habit of scraping wood. And of course, it's even argued among ichthyologists that these fishes may or may not actually digest the wood they consume. While scientists have identified a symbiotic bacteria which is found in the gut of these fishes that helps break down wood components, it's been argued by others that the fishes don't actually ingest or digest, excuse me, and metabolize the wood. Indeed, they derive very little energy from the wood that they actually consume. In fact, a lab study by Donovan P. German was described in November 2000 Journal of Comparative Physiology in which several species were fed wood and found to actually digest it quite poorly. And I quote, in laboratory, uh, laboratory feeding trials, uh, the species Nigrolineatus and Hypostomus pyrinusae lost weight when consuming wood and passed stained wood through their digestive tracts in less than four hours. Furthermore, no selective retention of small particles was observed in either species in any region of the gut. Collectively, these results collaborate digestive enzyme activity profiles and gastrointestinal fermentation levels in the fish's GI tract, suggesting that the wood-eating catfishes are not true xylophores, such as beavers and termites, but rather are detritivores, like so many others from the family Loricaridae. So did you hear that? Detritivores. Hmm. And this little nugget came from the same study. Again, quote, The fishes consume 2-5% to 5 of their body mass on a net weight basis in wood per day, but were not thriving on it, as P. nigrolineatus lost 1.8 to 0.15% of their body mass over the course of the experiment, and another species, disjunctivitis, lost 8.4, which is about 0.81 of their body mass. Yet, anatomical studies of these fishes showed that the wood-eating catfishes, and I say that in air quotes, had what 
physiologists refer to as a body size corrected intestinal length that's about 35% shorter than the detritivore species. So what does this all mean? Could they have perhaps at one time and subsequently lost their ability to digest wood? Maybe. Hmm. To the point of the argument that they're primarily detritivores, consuming a matrix of biofilm, fungal growth, microorganisms, and for want of a better word, dirt, what does this all mean? In fact, many species in the Loricardae are known to be detritivores, and this has made them remarkably adaptable fishes in the aquarium. Now, my personal experience with Loricardae is nothing like many of yours. I know some of you guys are super experts on these fishes, but I find them interesting. And an observation I made not too long ago is at best anecdotal, but kind of supports some of my theories. If you followed the tent, you know that I've had a long love affair with Pecochia compta, aka the L134, the leopard frog, a beautiful little fish that's you know charming and interesting. Well, my specimens, or actually I'm talking about one specimen in particular, she seems to have vanished into the ether following a, a rescape of one of my home botanical style aquariums. And I thought somehow I either lost the fish during the rescape or it died and subsequently decayed without my detecting it. I know it's gross, but that happens, right? For almost three months, this fish was MIA, just gone. And then one day there she was poking out from under a wood thicket that formed the basis of my new hardscape. And to say I was overjoyed was a bit of an understatement, of course. And after her reappearance, she was out every day as if she was never gone. She looked just as fat and happy as when I saw her in the other scape, which begs the question, besides my curiosity about how she evaded detection, what the fuck was she feeding on during this time? Well, I suppose it's possible that some bits of frozen food, I'm feel a lot of frozen, got away from my population of hungry kerosens and maybe fell to the bottom. I'm pretty fastidious and the other fishes were voracious. So I think it was more likely the biofilm, the fungal growth, perhaps some of the surface tissues of the the, the bark and the wood that I used uh, to construct the hardscape. I think that's what she was feeding on. This stuff does recruit some biological growth on its surfaces. And curiously in this tank, I noticed during the first few months that the wood seemed to never accumulate as much of this stuff as I'd seen it do in the past tanks in which I've used it. I attributed this to perhaps some feeding by a population of Nanostomus equus, pencil fish, which have shown repeatedly in the past to feed on the biofilm or what we'd like to call afuks accumulating on the wood. And as an interesting side observation, the wood actually darkens and develops a sort of patina of biofilms and stuff over time, which probably facilitates the feeding, right? There was also a layer of live oak leaves distributed throughout both the wood matrix and the overall substrate, which although they break down very slowly compared to other leaves we do, you know, we use, they do ultimately soften over time and break down, right? So interestingly, in this tank, I was finding little tiny amounts of very broken down leaves, which I attributed to, you know, decomposition. But thinking back on it, it looks more like the end product of digestion by somebody. I must admit, I don't think I've ever seen my L134 consuming prepared food. I've always seen her rasping away at the wood surfaces and on botanicals. And well, that's all the proof I needed to confirm my theory that she's pretty much 100% detritivora. And the botanical method aquariums that she resided in provided a lot of this material for her to consume. So back to the whole xylophore thing. I think that in the aquarium as well as in the wild, much of what we think is actually consumption of the wood is simply incidental, as in the fishes are you know, trying to eat the bio cover and the detritus on the surface tissues of the wood 
but to do a pretty darn good job with their specialized mouth parts of rasping away the wood surface tissues as well. Some of the wood may pass through the digestive tract of the catfishes, but it's passed without metabolizing much from it. Perhaps like the way chickens consume gravel or whatever it is. Don't they do that? I'm a city boy. I don't know. <laughs> or the way some marine central pygy angelfishes nibble on corals in their pursuit of algae, detritus, and biofilms. Same kind of thing. Again, my perusal of German's scientific paper seems to support this theory, and I quote, Catfishes supplement their wood diet with protein-rich detritus, or even some animal material to meet their nitrogen requirements. Although I did not observe animal material in the wood-eating catfish guts, uh, species uh, Panacodisjunctivitis did consume some of the animal material, including insect parts, mollusks, and worms, and all three species consumed detritus. And finally, the clincher, in my opinion, from his study, the low wood fiber assimilation efficiencies in the catfishes are highly indicative that they cannot subsist on a wood-only diet. Boom, there it is. So, I mean, it's just one paper, but when he's talking about isotopic tracing of materials not consistent with digestion of wood in the guts of Laracarids, I think that pretty much puts the eats wood thing to bed, right? His further mentioned that although some cellulose and lignin, which are components of wood in our beloved botanicals, was detected in the fish's fecal matter, it was unlikely, uh, or likely, excuse me, an artifact of the of the uh, analysis method as opposed to proof that the fishes derived significant nutrition from it. So what does all this stuff mean to us as hobbyists? Well, detritus, biofilms, fungal growths are good. Don't loathe them, love them. <laughs> I think it means that, as hobbyists probably knew, theorized, and discussed for a long time, that loricarids consume detritus, biofilms, and yeah, prepared foods when they're available. This is not exactly earth-shattering or new, I get it. However, I think that understanding that our botanical method aquariums can and do provide a large amount of materials from which these and many other fishes can derive significant nutrition from furthers my assertion that this type of aquarium is perfect for rearing and maintaining a lot of specialized feeders. Materials like the harder-shelled botanicals like, you know, carinianopods, mochapods, straculiopods, bark, etc., tend to recruit significant biofilms and accumulate detritus in and on their surfaces. And of course, as they soften, some fishes apparently rasp and consume some of them directly, likely, you know, passing most of it through their digestive systems as we just talked about, extracting whatever nutrition is available to them as a result. This is likely the case with leaves and softer botanicals as well. It's incidental. The softer materials might be directly consumed by many fishes, although the nutrition may or may not be significant. However, the detritus, the fungal and microorganism growth as a result of their decomposition is a significant source of nutrition for many fishes and shrimps. Again, I think it might be incidental consumption and they're picking up this other material off the surfaces, which is why they're chewing on this stuff to begin with. Now, detritivores, of which the amount of species in the trade is, you know, legion, there's millions of them, have always done very well in botanical method aquariums. And the accumulation of biofilms and microbial growth is something that we've discussed for a long time. By their very nature, the decomposition and accumulation of botanical materials make the functional aesthetics of our aquariums an important way to accommodate the natural feeding behaviors of our fishes. So the answer to the question, literally, who has the guts for this stuff, is quite possibly everyone. <laughs> I mean, what aquarist doesn't love the grazers, the detritivores, and the opportunistic omnivores? Stay studious, stay curious, stay observant, stay engaged, stay resourceful, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Ten and Aquatics. 
Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.